Greetings. I'm Matt Matthews, one of the pastors here at First Pres in Champaign, and I'm happy to welcome you to our media ministry. Join us in person. We're located at the intersection of Church and State Streets, adjacent to Westside Park in downtown Champaign. Our traditional worship service is at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning, and on most of those Sundays, we offer French translation. Our contemporary services on Sunday begin at 11.15 a.m. When you come to First Pres, what you'll find, what I hope you'll find, is a community of people who support each other and who are passionate about making a difference in our community and beyond. You'll find relevant teaching for children and adults. We have at least a dozen Bible studies in small groups, including pickleball, that's right, pickleball, adult choir, a bell choir for all comers, and other programs and events designed to grow your faith and give you and me opportunities to serve. There's a place for you. I'm glad you tuned in. Our scripture comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 11, the first 13 verses. Listen for God's word. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. He said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread for a friend of mine has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, do not bother me. The door has already been locked and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, Even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you, if your child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One of my regular duties here leading worship is leading the pastoral prayer and the Lord's Prayer. One Sunday, not very long ago, I lost my place when leading the prayer we all know by heart. When I got to my seat, Matt asked me what happened during the prayer. I got lost. My mind wandered, and I blew it. Thank goodness for all of you, and especially for the dulcet tones of Bruce Rainey's voice who kept the congregation going until I could find my place. 
It was your voice, Bruce. The words we say over and over again can become nearly meaningless if we don't listen to ourselves, and yet saying them over and over again can write these words on our hearts. They can become part of us, part of the deep, hard wiring of our minds so that the words can come spilling out even when we don't know what we're saying. Many years ago, I made a hospital visit to see a parishioner who was so ill she had become uncommunicative. She would not wake fully up, but was active in her bed. As a young woman who had not much experience visiting the very ill, I was just unsure of what to do. I wanted her to know that I was there and talked to her, but nothing was coming back my way. So I started praying extemporaneously to her, and then running out of ideas, I decided to pray the Lord's Prayer as a wrapping up of my now extremely brief visit. I was stunned when her lips started moving along with mine. She was in there, but I couldn't reach her with my own words. The familiar words of scripture and our tradition found that part that was still very much present and alive within her. The prayers can become part of us, way down deep. I realized then that I could not take the Lord's Prayer for granted. It has a power that can get lost in its frequent use. The power of this prayer is just one reason that we include it in nearly every worship service we have. And Jesus taught his disciples to pray, so it's a really good place for us to start. The disciples in today's passage asked Jesus how to, to teach them how to pray, like John had taught his disciples. So we get the prayer that he taught. But this is a really short version. They, there are basically an, an address to God and five requests. That's it. Jesus is known for his praying in the Gospel of Luke. And Frederick Buechner wrote, Luke is the one who goes out of his way to make it clear how big Jesus is on praying. He prayed when he was baptized and after he healed the leper and the night before he called the 12 disciples. And Luke was the only one to mention these together with a few other things like them. He was also the only one to say that the last words that Jesus ever spoke were the prayer, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. It is also thanks to Luke that there's a record of the jokes Jesus told about the man who kept knocking at his friend's door until he finally got out of bed to open it, and the widow who kept bugging the crooked judge until he finally heard her case just to get a little peace. The point of both, which seemed to be that if you don't think God has heard you the first time, don't give up until you're hoarse. Luke wanted that to be remembered too. End quote. No wonder Jesus' disciples wanted him to teach them how to pray. He prays a lot. Their beloved leader has such a deep connection to God, and he wanted some of that for themselves. If you've ever wanted to be good at something, the advice that often comes is to practice. My mother was a gifted musician, having earned a full scholarship in piano performance to Northwestern. As I was growing up, she had piano pupils come to her house for lessons. 
and I knew how every lesson would begin. Scales up and down the piano with progressions to the next key. Even her most accomplished students started every lesson with scales. Author Elizabeth Lesser said, and I'm changing it just a little bit, Lesser wrote, meditation practice is like piano scales, basketball drills, ballroom dance class. Practice requires discipline. It can become tedious, but it's necessary. After you've practiced enough, you become more skilled at the art form itself. You do not practice to become a great scale player or drill champion. You practice to become a musician or athlete. Likewise, one does not practice prayer to become a great prayer. We pray to wake up and live to become skilled at the art of living. But when it comes to prayer, it can feel strange to practice something that we don't really understand. It, it can be something like practicing breathing. Breathing is so much a part of us that it actually sounds kind of strange to practice breathing. Women in childbirth classes are taught breathing techniques to lessen pain. And when I started practicing yoga, I learned that yoga was a combination of movement and breathing. And Yogi, my yogi told me that yoga is a meaning for seat for prayer. And we learned to, techniques to breathe. We call it breath work, breathing and moving and how the body are all tied together. And there's a local car cardiology study that's using breathing techniques to reduce stress, to keep the heart healthy. If we have to practice breathing, it's no wonder that we have to practice praying as well, because sometimes prayer feels very unnatural. Jesus taught his disciples a brief prayer that would help them know just what, it, what to say. In fact, these few words are the crux of what it means to be a person of faith. We are used to it now, but the opening word may have startled his disciples a bit. Calling God Father sets this prayer apart. This prayer is relational and communal in manner. Speaking to God as if God is our parent means that this relationship is a close and personal one. And yet this relationship is also set apart as holy. Hallowed be thy name. The only other time I hear about hallowed is our hallowed halls. Hallowed means not only to be holy, but to set apart. And the connotation is that this father, this Abba, has goodness at God's essence. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. Know that God is good. God is good. God is good. After declaring God's goodness, we have a few more phrases to include in our prayer. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. Short and sweet, easy to remember, but loaded with meaning. Several places in scripture we hear Jesus telling his disciples not to heap on empty words in prayer. 
Prayer does not have to be long. It just has to connect us to God and to focus on what is important. This version of the Lord's Prayer starts with the proper focus on God and asking for God's reign to come and soon. Then, asking for what we need. This version says, each day our daily bread. Basic sustenance, not meat, not riches. The other thing notable is that it's about bread each day, hearkening back to the Israelites' dependence on God for manna in the desert. Forgiveness of our sins is mentioned next, which seems to be a natural springing forth of the fact that we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. When we pause to think about this sentence, it might make us wriggle uncomfortably, since we know, okay, I know full well I have some work to do on forgiving everyone indebted. That slight from last week, yeah, we remember that. You forgot your wallet yet again when we go out to dinner? Yeah, I still think about that. Could this statement be a prayer for God's economics? Or perhaps it's the larger focus that, that still rankle us, that since no acknowledgement of the sacrifice we made was, is forthcoming on those little favors that we gave that might have become big. Okay, maybe we're not as good at forgiving as we claim in that prayer. And yet, we count on God forgiving us nonetheless because we ask, and after all, God is good. The prayer Jesus teaches disciples wraps up with the simple request, don't bring us to the time of trial. A fear of judgment, a fear of failure, a fear of getting what we might actually deserve by not living up to what God expects of us? Yeah, that doesn't sound one bit fun. We would prefer to skip all of that. Thank you very much. Jesus' prayer concludes, but the passage includes a parable next about a friend and neighbor who comes banging on the door in the middle of the night so he can feed his unexpected guests. This parable is tied up in the biblical notion of hospitality. If a neighbor has guests that arrive no matter what the time, it would be shameful not to offer them anything to eat before they lay down for the night. You know, with the heat wave we've been having, I can only imagine heading out in the middle of the day so that when we're tired and arriving, it's cooler. So arriving well into the evening, hungry and tired and needing a place to lay one's head. Since hotels and lodgings for rent were scarcely available in the ancient world, travelers would find a distant relative with which to spend the night. This may have been the situation our unexpected host finds himself. To not have anything to offer a guest is shameful. And even if our friend and host is not only may not be a wealthy man, and, and maybe he's even a, a man barely making ends meet, hence the bare cupboard. So our neighbor does a shameless act of heading across the way in the middle of the night and asks for something to give this unexpected guest. It's pretty gutsy to wake up a household just to ask for bread. And the example in our passage mentions that God will respond in a much better fashion and not just because we won't stop knocking on the door. 
Our dear Abba will respond with the things we need. That's the funny thing about prayer. We might ask for what we want and what we think we need, and sometimes the answer to our prayers is something different than we expect or think or want. We ask from our vantage point, but we cannot see the big picture and certainly do not know the future or other conditions at play. Prayer concerns we lift up so often deal with those we know intimately. Be it health or work or relationships, we pray for our loved ones quite naturally. We want our loved ones to be well, to be whole, to be happy. There is a story of Monica, who is St. Augustine's mother, and this was shared by the Reverend John Claypool in his sermon on day one. There's a wonderful part of St. Augustine's confession where he talks about his mother, Monica, a profound Christian who had so wanted to bless him with a Christian vision. But as a young man, he had followed the example of his decadent father, Augustine was living a life of great sensuality. He seemed to have no interest whatsoever in the things that were dear to his mother's heart. He was a very gifted young scholar and was raised in North Africa, and he realized that Italy held artistic promises that North Africa did not possess. So he resolved to go to Italy that he might study more fully his chosen discipline of rhetoric. Monica, his mother, felt that if he ever left her side, he would never become a Christian. And so, one night, he she was praying earnestly in a chapel on the coast of North Africa that Augustine would not leave her when, in fact, he was boarding a ship and setting across the Mediterranean to Italy. He went to Milan, which was the cultural capital of Italy at that time. And once he got there, he was told that if he wanted to hear rhetoric in its finest form, he ought to go down to the cathedral every Sunday because Bishop Ambrose was recognized as the greatest practitioner of rhetoric in all of Italy at that time. This person said, you don't have to listen to what he says, but how he says it that's absolutely masterful. Well, as it turned out, the young pagan began to do that, and lo and behold, although Ambrose threw Ambrose's rhetoric, the wonder of the gospel began to break in on the consciousness of young Augustine. It was through his human weakness that God eventually brought Augustine to a profound conversion, which led to his becoming one of the great shapers of our Western Christian position. The interesting thing is that Monica had no idea that of all the people in the world, Ambrose was better equipped to bear witness to her son than she herself. And years later, as Augustine looked back on that experience, he said of the night when she was praying so earnestly that he not leave her side, God denied her the form of her request that God might eventually give her the substance of it. The whole point of this story is to invite us to trust, to believe that at the bottom of the river of reality there is nothing but unambiguous goodness. God is light and in light, 
and in God, there is no darkness at all. And therefore, when we pray, we make our requests known unto a wisdom and goodness greater than our own, and then trust that the way God will respond is not like the indifference of the neighbor next door, but the response will come from the heart of a heavenly parent who loves us better than we love ourselves and knows in the profoundness sense what is best for us. As many as there are of us in this room are the reasons for which we pray, and they can change on a given day. We might be praying to try to change God's mind. We might be trying to get what we want or need or that for which we deeply hope or to change a situation. But maybe those prayers in practice could be changing us. All those thoughts and prayers we lift up, well, maybe God is using them to spur us into action so that we are God's hands and feet. Whatever the reason, keep at those prayers. Praying takes practice, so start with the basics. Breathe in, breathe out. Quiet the mind, draw near to God. Call God Father or Abba or whatever name connotes a close relationship to you. Open up with what is on your mind, your joys, your regrets, your needs, your concerns. Pray boldly. Ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and that door will be opened to you. And pray the prayer that Christ taught his disciples. Listen to and savor the words. Don't just say them, mean them too. Because God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. God so good to us. Amen. Thank you for joining this podcast of First Presbyterian Church Champaign. Visit us at our campus at the intersection of Church and State Streets in downtown Champaign. And for more information, visit us online at www.firstpres.church. Have a great week.